This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations of people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann, I'm at Otago Polytechnic today, and I am joined by Nathan Lowry. Kia ora, glad to be here. Welcome Nathan. How was your bubble life? Um, my bubble life, it was, it was pretty well controlled. Um, if, we're, if we're looking back at lockdown, um, yeah, my, my partner ended up uh, actually moving in with me and joining my bubble for the gosh was it four weeks six weeks we were in lockdown i don't know the levels kind of blurred <laughs> at this point last year um but no nah, my the bubble was great and i mean gosh it it must have sold me real well because now i'm living with my partner and their flatmates this year so so yeah we found yeah we found a nice way to like expand the bubble and you know really make it our own so you're in dunedin for the lockdown yep yeah, I stayed in Dunedin. Um, I was living in a flat of four, and two of the flatmates uh, moved back home. So I guess we, we got a bit more. Us two remaining flatmates got a bit more room to ourselves. Room, elbow room. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. And not as much thoroughfare through to the kitchen. And were you studying? Um, yep. Yeah, I was studying last year, so I was in the final year of my Bachelor of Applied Management which is basically the the business degree here at Otago Polytech. Um, Yeah, so it it was a lot of it, you know, required some pretty quick, like, adaptation on the fly. Um, Some of the papers were were still pretty suitable for an online home-based setting, like, such as, like, strategic marketing and, like, events marketing. But but there was one paper in my final year, the event project, which had us... uh, planning out and carrying out an actual real life event um but it was in it was in lockdown so a lot of the typical event elements we'd been learning had to be put to the side like you know venue floor plan kind of stuff um we had to learn how to carry out online events from scratch and then carry them out um so that was that was a mighty mighty um task you know it was very very trying at the time you said you put the things like the venue aside, but is it is it just the it's just a different sort of venue? Does the same like rules of venue still work? Well, uh, I guess I guess to look at it digitally, yeah, we I guess we still had to kind of pick a like a domain, a platform for it to uh, play on, like whether it was through Microsoft Teams or Zoom or like a couple of other online options. Um, but I guess, like in terms of in terms of say like actual spacing, um, that wasn't so much an issue. I guess if if anything, the the I get the what would you call it? the run sheet, the itinerary, the like the minute by minute events were a bit more important because everyone was kind of 
looking at the screen instead of being present at a venue where you could kind of you know keep yourself busy with the food or with like mingling with others but when you've got just the screen there's always no, everyone's be... sitting there waiting for you to <laughs> to perform that's right that's right it's all it's it's you got to march to a bit of a stricter drum beat with with online events and the, it must still be the same in terms of what's critical is the engagement yeah yeah i'd say so like you know definitely finding elements or yeah finding what what actually draws people in and what engages them um yeah that stuff is still like just as important and looking at looking at our example um for the paper we did a kind of like a mental wellness kind of chicken we called it life after covid and we I guess based on our based on our own personal experiences we figured it was it was quite necessary to to take a good hard look at some of the mental implications of lockdown um especially among students whether it was you know whether it's the 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 fear of you know the fear of failure and the I guess the anxieties that come from not having as good a grasp on your not having that sense of a good grasp on your studies if you're like staying at home and you can't quite engage with the lecturer's learning space. So yeah, we, we looked at those and we found they, they resonated a lot with, with the people, you know, with the attendees and those who got involved. Um, we even managed to source a, quite a well-known um, guest speaker for that as well. Uh, his name is Michael Hempseed. Uh, he, what's he done? He, he's an author of, of a book around like embracing failure you know seeing failure not as a negative but as a necessary step to success or a necessary step in development in general um yeah and he he has a ted talk and what, what was his claim to fame? he he was on britain's got talent and he basically he was supposed to go and do magic tricks but he he like completely bombed due to like not having the right materials and he was kind of up there on stage you know having everybody laugh at him not only the hundred you know not only the hundreds in the venue but the thousands upon thousands <laughs> of viewers across the world so this man knows a thing or two about failure but but he knows best like how to like embrace it and take it on as as like a, a strength or another kind of resource of yours going forward so so he came in and instilled some very great wisdom on it's our an, online end. it's an interesting challenge in education because we all know that you listen to anybody that's been successful in, in business or even in other things in science or, mm. is that they say, you know, to, to, to fail is to succeed. You need to, you know, yeah. if you're not failing, if you're not failing, then you're not working hard enough. You're not pushing the edge. All yeah, those sorts of success is not a straight line, that kind of stuff. But then in education, the, mm. you know, the, there's, we there's, need this success. That's right. There's, we're, we're not allowed to fail you a couple of times and say, well, you're learning. That, that's yeah, good. That's right. You're on, you're on the right track, you know. With all well, the, like, you the should be months. failing because yeah, yeah. Elon Musk's crashing rockets and <laughs> that's right. saying this is great stuff. Yeah, I guess we don't have the same comparison here. Or, or if anything, the, our institutions don't have the same kind of resources to allow a student to fail multiple times and expect them to learn stuff along the way to eventually you know, gain a pass. Yeah, you know, I get as far as I know, we don't have the resources to or people don't have the time for that, you know, they've got their life that they're trying to be here for. But the but the failures are a you know, they do seem a necessary part of it, just in order like just for whether it's humility reasons or f to like gain different perspectives. Because if you're if you're only doing right or if you if your life is catered so, you know, success has come easy, then then you're not quite prepared for the world of adversity out there. You know, <laughs> adversity that you're definitely going to meet in one way. 
let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Devon Townsend Bones. Why this one? Um, gosh, that one. This one really stands out to me as part of Dev- like in in Devon Townsend's whole discography. Like he has, he's had a like thirty years plus career of just pushing the boundaries of music. Um, he really took on board the like the sort of the signature wall of sound that you know that you, can, that you can get from just massive whether it's extreme you know like you know heavy metal type of stuff or very orchestral you know like sweeping kind of um tune he he takes a step back from all of that um in this song with bone um it's got a very like americana kind of vibe to it yeah it's it's a very it's a very stripped back but still got the same kind of you know raw like sonic delivery yeah, and it's it's really solidified me as a fan of his.
Nathan, last year you were student president of OPSA, Otago Polytechnic Association. Yep. So was there, there must have been some responsibility, or feeling of responsibility yeah. with, with all the chaos of last year. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you heading as the, the, the sort of the, the, the mouthpiece of the student voice. Yeah, as the mouthpiece, um, yeah, as the figurehead of, of the student voice. Um, yeah, the, the responsibility of the role definitely definitely shine through um last year like it's um yeah like um i was honestly i'm very lucky i had sort of six months ahead of last year for this role i stepped in at july 2019 and that really helped me kind of get my head around the environments you know around like the expectations of me but also also the expectations that were never placed on ops president in the past where i kind of saw a need to take it a step further to, to be able to establish OPSA um, as, you know, as the reliable source for, you know, both for students to come and make their voices heard, but also for staff to come and hear what students uh, had to say. So I, I think I did quite well with establishing that before before 2020 came along. So the, the lines of communication or you know, asking the harder questions came a bit easier, <laughs> you know, when the, when it was needed during the times of, of COVID, you know, and of Rove, like, you know, merging polytechnics in the country. Um, yeah, so the responsibility was quite heavy, um, but I certainly had just the most supportive people. Like, I could spend this whole interview saying how grateful I am for my partner, Tangi, um, and what they have done, uh, but also some really key key student other student representatives kind of saw the same but saw the same need of of opsa just needing to be like more unconditionally kind you know like unconditional compassion is needed for our students um whether it's that or or giving giving them a dignified experience showing them that they can be involved and what they do can make a difference um i guess yeah there were challenges along the way but from from looking how staff and perceive ops are now at the start of this year, um, I'd say I'd say I've done a quite a good job putting that across to them. because um, it's it's not a, it's not about what I can do or what I can get for myself. And it's, it's about how I can sort of shape the role and shape the world around the role after I've left it. During the the lockdown and the ongoing um, lockdown, did Opsa take a role in being an advocate for the for the students. Um, I mean, that's what its role is. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, but I'd say, yeah, certainly that time more than any advocacy. Um, yes, I'd say that really that really sh- um, I guess test yeah tested Ops's ability to to be kind of a, a central location for you know for compiling and receiving students. Um, struggles, feedback, challenges, you know, and the positives as well of of how OP was, of how the Polytechnic was handling um, the lockdown. So students, I mean, you know, it's a, it's always an interesting one to say, like, what students think. Because um, last year there was about 5,000 of us, and there's no, like, defining demographic <laughs> for, especially for vocational students. You get a bit more of a trend towards the younger side of it with universities, but at Polytechnic, we're just basically a like a subset of the general population you know there's no big trends really um so so the things that students say worked for them you'll get students who say it did not work for them 
such as you know online learning over the screens um such as um even even some even some issues that arose in students across the country um had our students placed in different positions let's see one example is um our students living at te Tawera were given uh, a 50 percent um discount for while they had to leave the village um the same thing was happening for many student accommodations across the country and controversy was high at students essentially being not quite kicked out but you know uh, morally obliged or morally pushed to be like hey for the for the best kind of safety thing you know for safety's sake and for your own sake you should leave the hall and go move back with family that was essentially the message given to many students at many accommodations across the country um but even then that kind of thing divided students and that some were like hey i'm i'm paying this money to live in this hall or for this room that i'm not using that i'm not accessing you know i'm paying for this food and for the like bills and electricity that i'm not using at all um some some students were not happy about that whatsoever others kind of rationalized it and saw that okay there's still people working there they still need to have their bills paid somehow you know it, it places people in such different positions um that it's it's difficult it is quite difficult to bring one unified voice to one, one set statement to decision makers you know to show them what the people believe um so yeah it was difficult like that but i guess another example was the the when the universities began deciding to give like a blanket five percent grade increase to the university students exams that was another tough one because we don't teach just degrees here at op not all of our grades can be marked like by percentages some are just like very simple yes no skill based <laughs> checks um so we had to work around that we had to figure out how how can we recognize like the struggles and the disadvantages our students are facing due to COVID 19 but like equitably allow them you know a chance at you know a, a kind of a, a higher score that they may have gotten if, if it wasn't locked down and this is quite important because a lot of our kind of later in the piece degree students were very concerned about like competitive entry into like postgrad courses so they they really were not keen to be left out while like all of their other counterparts doing similar degrees at other universities were getting ahead um so so luckily we we could we took that in a nuanced way like with the senior leaders and just made a, a change to the academic appeals policy which allowed like greater like individual consideration through the lecturers through student success so each student could figure out just how just how stitched up they've been by the lockdown and as you said the students at the polytech are much more of a cross-section of the the community than you might mm. expect yeah definitely. At, at the university so did you find things like the issues of equity raising their heads about you know things like you it's all online but mm, good luck mm. finding a laptop and yeah good luck yeah. finding a space to work or time to work whether you've got kids at home that's right yeah. did those sorts of things come through opsa um yeah well i guess um no well in terms of 
when it comes to when it came to students venting on their issues and kind of talking about their struggles um we did kind of direct them to student success for that with yep. our like well-being advisors our learning advisors you know they're the ones trained to like you know help come up with solutions for students um for for opsa it was more well certainly more for the financial struggles um all of the a lot of the all of the government the government funding that came that was available to op students you know for hardship and technology issues um was done through opsa so that was a hell of a lot of admin (laughs) to be done by leslie our office manager um but otherwise it it was more um issues of i want to say grievance um if it came to uh yeah landlords not quite you know not being fair with students um you know lecturers even though there weren't many examples um, of lecturers not being fair that was still a uh, an avenue taken towards opsa um but no yeah in, in terms of more of the well-being stuff yeah that's where that's where like the student success team came into play and then and then they're the ones who could kind of officially go and say you know uh, kind of implement the option of that individual consideration for for higher or you know more more well-balanced marks do you think that the pandemic has made us more aware of student it's not just something that happens on the edges. This is something which we need to be concerned about for for everyone. Um, I'd say, oh, the pandemic, it sparked the need of student leaders to make, to put student well-being at the forefront. Um, you know, the pandemic alone, I don't think it would have been enough to, to kind of, you know, sort of shift the culture in that direction um and, and even then we haven't fully shifted um to that place but it's we, we we definitely like set our sights on it um through the pandemic through through trying to trying to prioritize student well-being um i mean it's it's not something that's reflected in the in the academic side of things and actual like pedagogic delivery but but lecturers do still try their bit to to give like that to give that reassurance to their classes which is still difficult if done to a whole group um instead of like a one-on-one setting but but there's steps in the right direction do you think that there's anything in terms of that you're thinking yeah this is good we should keep doing this yeah honestly <laughs> honestly like whenever well let's let's preface that um i i've been studying in tertiary institutions since 2014. I began at SIT with some certificates, uh, moved on to University of Otago, um, dropped out about a year and a half in because that, that style was not for me. Went out and worked for a year, figured that was also not for me. I've taken quite a few many turns <laughs> in my life, but the they it's, it has it landed me at, at OP in 2018 where I began the Diploma of Tourism and then moved on to do year two and three of Applied Management. And and i got to say, the thing that always stands out to me is when the lecturers really get into the theatrics of it, you know, when they really become themselves, when they when they see teaching as a, like a bit of a performance, you know, they've got their audience, they've got their, their like itinerary of what, what kind of show they're going to put on. When... 
when lecturers really embrace that side of it and try to bring a bit of their character, a bit of their like humanity into the learning, um, for me personally, that that's what really grasps me. Um, and and I've seen it. I've seen it with with other students as well. But but again, everyone is just people, and people have their own preferences. But but yeah, my preferences is, is like the theatrics of the teaching. Um, you know, or 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 even. I guess another answer would be when we kind of reach a stage of, I want to say like collaborative learning. Um, like I'm, I'm currently co-authoring a, a research article on co-creation and pedagogy with with Amy Binions from from Learning and Teaching. And from that, we're really exploring like collaborative learning versus, well, we'll say we'll say like more transformative learning versus transactional, where like transactional learning is. Is where the teacher like just gives you already a teacher already knows the answers they give you like a preconceived um, you know set of activities where where they're still where which will still be within the confines of what the teacher is confident but I like I seem to prefer collaborative learning where the teacher kind of or where the students take themselves to a place that is on par with the teacher and then from there they go forward like into the unknown together it's so yeah that's i do really enjoy that kind of like collaborative learning and it's it's a it's a big call for the for the academic to not be the expert Mm, to say okay this is an interesting question i don't know what the answer is but that's what makes it interesting exactly that's right and i mean i i think i really i think those kind of scenarios can be better you know better created here at the polytech um because if we if we go back to you know looking at such a diversity of our students um many of our students have been or still are like employees or employers in other areas of skill you know outside of where they're studying like for example um I'm currently doing a, an IT certificate, so you know, very based around computers, networking, software, and databases. Um, so whenever the topic is on computer technology stuff, the lecturer is the expert. They've got the expert power, and they kind of drive the situation. But if we, for example, if I have a classmate who was like a chef for 15 years, and the topic got onto food and cooking and culinary skills. That student would become the expert, and the lecturer would now become a learner. Like in that scenario, um, yeah. And there's there's definitely situations like that present all throughout the polytech, where this you know the students can learn from each other, the teacher can learn from the students, and you know vice versa. Bubble sprite of the forest of Orakudui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mahi I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful star, in your beloved universes. And I really hope that wherever you are and whatever's happening around this journey that we're all on together, it's very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, the triumph of nature's art, unique and here, making's better. Thank you. Now, as we know, we have been moving through so many shifts and changes over the last several months together. I'm so grateful for these five minutes together each day. It's really made a huge difference to me and my state of being. Being able to recalibrate and redefine my daily experiences into what I hope can be a helpful 
gift to you all, and it certainly is to myself. So thank you very much to Sam and the whole Blowing Bubbles team for having me and to all of you. Thank you. So I know for us at the moment, we, we are back in level one, which is very exciting. And this means, of course, that we are heading back into a time when, as we are so inclined as a species, and without which we would not have co-evolved to this point, we're going to be able to interact with each other more. And as a relationally based species, I think this is a great relief to us all. This is something that will improve our well-being on several fronts. Physiologically, we will be reaping the benefits of this increased interaction. And of course, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, all these aspects of our whole order are going to really benefit from being able to interact as we normally would. And for me, I think it's so valuable to really do our best to make the most of our interactions when we have them and do our best to appreciate each interaction and each person that we're interacting with as an opportunity for us to really tune in and appreciate the miracle of our lives, the miracle of our biology, the miracle of our consciousness. And not only that, but to practice encouraging and supporting and inspiring each other. And it's not always immediately obvious how this is possible, but I think once we set that intention that that's what our interactions are going to be about, even if it is a somewhat difficult interaction, that offers us even more of an opportunity to see where we can make those connections with that life form that we're interacting with. And for me, something that's really helped me over the last several months is really shifting my perceptions and my awareness so that I no longer take anything personally and I make sure I'm focusing on the intention behind people's actions and behind people's words, even if things are communicated to me in such a different way from how I would communicate them, or they're communicated in a way that seems to be asking for a particular response for me. I know that I can remain calm and look at the context of the situation, look at the intention behind the behavior in those words, and that helps to really make sure that I'm responding in a way that means we can have a really open and helpful dialogue with each other. And I think the more that we practice doing this, not only are we able to have more helpful communication, but again, we benefit from all of those positive interactions in our lives, that our stress levels are lower, our physiology, of course, responds to the benefits of those interactions and we just feel that increased sense of connection with our community so i really hope for you whatever's happening around you you're finding ways to really make the most and enjoy this increased interaction that we're now finding is available to us and i'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow thanks so much you're listening to blowing bubbles we're talking with nathan laurie Nathan, we've seen lots of changes in society over the, the last year. 
What do you think is going to stick? And more importantly, perhaps, what do you hope will stick? Well, what do I hope will stick? Um, I hope the the patience that people are giving one another will stick. Um, I feel like in the in the past, I guess before a lot of these profound changes are coming upon us, um, people were kind of rushed or you know kind of forced into making a decision, choosing a position. Um, you know, and when you when you've rushed to something, you don't have that sincerity of wanting to do it. You don't have that passion that you yourself form. But then also when you're rushed, you kind of cut corners. You, know, you make mistakes a little. You know, come out with a with a sub quality um, outcome that would have been a bit better if you just you know stopped and took a seat. Um, so I'm, I'm really enjoying the, the patience that's being given to people. And I mean, I can see, I can still see where it's not happening. So it's another change that we're gradually getting. Um, something that I think will, gosh, gosh, what's really, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I'm really, I'm, I really can't get past the kind of, like that kind of compassion we're showing, mm-hmm. um, you know, that wasn't always there and whether that, you know, whether people are having reality checks and seeing that, you know, some things don't last forever, people come and go, or other big things come and go, so it's important to, like, folk or appreciate what you have now and, and you know, take it in because, um, like I said, things can come and go. Yeah. Some people are being asked to not just be patient for themselves, humility and, you know, we'll get there kind of... For a whole lot of people, we're essentially saying you can career on hold. Right, right. Do you think those people like you know, who started out in tourism, so anybody that's come through with a tourism qualification now, yeah, hasn't that, really got anywhere to go? That's right. They they do have to kind of redefine or yeah reassess themselves or their goals. Um, yeah, maybe it's it's something that I think probably will stick. Actually, is is like such uncertain um, where you you know it's. I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't grown up, I haven't, I haven't grown up in any other time or had to look for a job in any other sort of time period than, um, the late 2010s, but I, I can't, I feel like people these days, you can't rely on your, like, current skills or your job experience to give you, bring you livelihood with another job or another career. I feel like that's not as stable of a thing to rely on as 10 years ago, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Just based on just such theori- like theoretical observation, of course. I, <laughs> I couldn't say what it's like to be like early 20. Maybe that's actually putting the young people in a stronger position because younger people aren't necessarily thinking that they're going to have a single career, a single you know, a single mm-hmm. job, or not many jobs, mm-hmm. but in mm-hmm. the same general pathway. If people are already thinking, mm-hmm. my career is going to be a bit of a portfolio and it's going to change, the technology is going to outpace me on this and I'll switch to that and move back. So if people are already thinking like that, then maybe the pandemic isn't as bad as it might have been otherwise. Yeah, if it, yeah, if it means you gotta, you need to, you're forced to look at other options that might be a bit more sustainable or a bit more reliable then then yeah the pandemic certainly you know has that positive spin with it forces people to be a bit you know creative and how they keep themselves busy you know be a bit more creative or thinking outside the box on how you can make money and you know, sustain yourself but also in, in how in looking at like what the world needs too like someone you know someone in their 20s today might look at the world and 
think that it needs something different than what somebody in their 40s today might. So there is there is that perspective. I mean, I <laughs> I, I have a kitten. I, my partner and I got a kitten about a month ago, and it taught me just the, the silliest, but like simple, most effective little lesson the other night. I picked up a laser pointer and was like playing with the cat around the floor and it was like spinning around doing all the laps around the floor it was so cute but then i i shone it on my office chair you know raised above the floor so the kitten was now looking around being like you know where's the light gone looking in all the little nooks and crannies couldn't find it whereas i'm standing here pointing it at the office chair being like i can see it so clearly it's right there like it's there's no mistaking <laughs> where the red light is i don't get why you can't see it but then it clicked that's a lesson in perspective right there like i can sit here in my position in my state of thing see so clearly what somebody else can't see that kind of example can be like taken to any other old situation whether it's looking at like staff and student perspectives whether it's looking like young and old rich and poor um you know male and female and any other kind of like breakdown in perspective can be can be equated to a simple cat and laser you know <laughs> you know are you the, some sometimes you're the cat sometimes you're pointing the laser sometimes you're looking for the laser <laughs> let's take the second of your music choices let's have a nick cave and the bad seeds hiding all away why this one um oh. um well good question i I've enjoyed quite a lot of Nick Cave ever since he showed up in a couple of movie soundtracks. Like, I think he was in uh, Shrek 2. He was also in, like, uh, part one of the Deathly Hallows. And I was like, okay, this guy's... He's got a deep, somber kind of style. One that, you know, one that hits you, hits you right if you're in that kind of mood for a bit of, like, introspection or if you need to kind of sit with your feelings. Um, but then this song was the first of his I listened to that had a bit more of an attitude, you know? One that kind of, like, tells a story of... Yeah, lots of a story about I guess it's just someone... Someone kind of down on his luck, but also someone kind of seeing all the negatives around him and needing to, like, get out of there. Um, yeah, it's just got that attitude, that kind of, like, raunchiness that, that you got to love in a, a good rock song. For me, dear, down by the sea, you found some little silver fish, but you didn't find me. I was hiding, hiding all the way. I was hiding, I was hiding all the way. You went to the museum and you climbed the spiral stair. You searched for me all among the knowledgeable air. I was a hidden babe. Hiding. I was a hiding all the way. I was a hidden dear. I was a hiding all the way. You entered the cathedral when you heard the solemn knell. I was not sitting with the gargoyles. I was not swinging from the bell. I was hiding dear. I was a hiding all the way. I was a hiding deal. I was a hiding all the way.
Three fingers set sparks sapping up to face I was hidden there I was a hiding all the way I was not there dear. I was a hiding all the way oh, Well you went and asked the doctor To get some advice Well he shot you full of pethidine And then he went and billed you twice But I was a hiding dear. I was a hiding all the way I was a hiding dear. A hiding all the way Approach the high court judge You thought he'd be on the level When he wrapped a rag around your face And he beat you with his gavel I was a hiding baby I was a hiding all the way I was keeping hidden dear I was hiding all the way You looked at the local constabulary They said he's up to his same old tricks They leered at you with their baby blues or rub jelly on their sticks I had to get out of there, baby I was a hiding all the way You better get out of there, dear I was a hiding all the way Search through all my poets From Sappho through the Auden I saw the book fall from your hands As you slowly died in Auden I had been there, dear But I was not there anymore I, I had been there, dear Now I'm hiding all the way You walked into the Hall of Fame And approached my imitators Some were stuffing their faces with a caviar Some were eating cold potatoes But I was a hiding dear I was a hiding all the way I was hiding near I was a hiding all the way When you asked a famous cook if he'd seen me He opened his oven wide When he basted you with butter, babe And he made you crawl inside But I was not in I was a hiding all the way I was not in there, dear I was a hiding all the way He asked the butcher Lifted up his cleaver Stuck his fist up your dress Said he must have been a maid to leave But I had to get away, dear I was a hiding all the way I had to get away, dear I was a hiding all the way We hide away, some of us we don't Some will live to love another day and some of us won't But we all know there is a law And that law it is love And we all know there is a war coming, coming from above There is a war
important is that attitude, that being positive? It's it's necessary. It's very necessary, but it it shouldn't be like the only thing you have. You know, like oh, there's some. I'm just thinking about some quote about hope. You know, like hope is like a like a rope in a in a rushing river. You know, it's on its on its own it doesn't do much to help but but supported by other elements it it does quite well um put put much more concisely <laughs> than that um yeah having that positive attitude help you know that's it's kind of like having a lens like a like kind of special pair of glasses that lets you see the positivity in the world lets you see the little reasons to continue um, that that you might not find right in front of you if you don't hold that positive attitude. Um, in some moments, it seem positivity can seem pretty like kind of foolish to grasp because things around you can be pretty bleak. But it's it's a it's it's something you it's it's the reminder that you know the next day is going to be fine. It's the reminder that or you have a chance the next day to make things fine um it's it's being able to boil your life right down to the present moment and and see you know and see what is there that is worthy of going on um and for everybody it's it's everybody has whole different answers to things everybody looks for different hopes everybody yeah has different positivities um and it's and it's just a it's just part of the journey really to to be able to identify other people's positives because you know people around you someone might have a like a very shiny positive that that you've probably been looking for and you know all they need to do is share it what's the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years um definitely my partner they they have helped provide a lot of this <laughs> or, or rather they they have shown me how to like get out of my own way in order for the success to <laughs> to be a bit present um yeah definitely tangi Heidi. um yeah without without them um most of everything i would have done in the past year or so would have been a bit lackluster would have been a bit more like clouded in my vision like tangi's been there to help me sort of set right every wrong or every every like lapse of judgment i've had has you know been corrected or been better identified in me help of tangi what's your superpower um some people think it's my administrative skills <laughs> although I, I know many people who would trounce me in terms of admin <laughs> um my patience seems to be something that people are impressed by i can sit there and watch a some sort of incident go down and keep calm and like find the next steps you know find the answers um i guess my yeah my 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 confidence with being in just about any like i can i can walk into just about any room and know what i want from the person um yeah <laughs> like the, some of the senior leaders would know this all too well from last year like i'm i i have no like inhibitions with just like rocking it right up to someone's desk and be like hey i need this um although Although a lot, when I think about that, I, I do like chalk that up to my white privilege. Um, that's, that's one that I've, yeah, I, I have to really take a look and see like, what is, what is like an innate superpower of mine that I've built up the skills to do versus, you know, what just simply comes easier to me by virtue of being white. Um, 
and a male. So, so, so it has been a lot of the journey has also been one of seeing that my my privilege, the privilege that I hold, should like inextricably be linked to like a sense of duty. Um, you know, I because I am able to like articulate my problems, or because um, people are a bit more amiable to me. Like I need to take that on and do things in my whether it was like a privileged leadership position like last year or yeah again simply being a white male i need to know that i should be taking forward the needs of those who don't have the privilege to carry out these things um i'm very harshly honest with myself so i don't know if that's a superpower or a kryptonite but but that definitely comes into play okay three more four more questions and not very much time so you'll have to be quick do you consider yourself to be an activist yes yeah through and through what motivates you um, a better future for my children and grandchildren and all those that after. What's the biggest challenge that you... Um, I guess professionally, um, helping uh, find a place for myself or find, find a function through which students can help inform the design or you know, the, the establishment of Te Pukinga, our National Polytech Institute. If you could wave a magic wand in that respect... What would you What would you want them to do in terms of that? Make it better. For um, I to ma- wave a magic wand. I would I would have all this all of their senior leaders um, either uh, like profess their their activism or no have them. I'd wave a magic wand and have them all pledge to be like absolute champions of of the needs of student. Um, I would. Oh, the magic wand would be broad, but <laughs> whether it's whether it's having them like magic wand and structure it all to be like a true partnership between like students and the and the institution, um, I think I think that one would be a much more of a long term stroke of magic wand. But it had to be a quick like instant one. Uh, definitely universal education income. I would ping that into life. And our students would be uplifted, like you wouldn't believe. Yes, U U E I is one that I'd really love to see. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Um, gosh, for our listeners, <clears throat> certainly around we the we're all we've all been we're all living in a cycle of sorts. Um, and especially in New Zealand, the cycle has been one of apathy. Uh, this is this is advice that I, I try to give to people, but it does it does call folks out. Where we simply the cycle of apathy like needs to end, um, and we need to do better. We need to be better, and we can be. Um, it all it all starts with ourselves, like find the cycles within yourself find the apathy within yourself and work to not to break it but to to minimize it minimize the cycle of apathy become better and and then we'll really see like what kind of potential we all have thank you very much for that thank you very much for joining me thanks for having me i really appreciate it Blowing bubbles, conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. We're broadcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Tiger Access Radio and streamed in podcast on oar.org.nz. 
You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Bob Marley. The sun is shining. I'm the man at Otago Polytechnic in Dunedin, and I have been joined by Nathan Laurie. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.